You're listening to a podcast from Bayside Church International. Good morning. <clears throat> I have no script, so you never know what's going to happen. Um, it's really great to have you and see you again. For those who are visiting, already met some people from different parts of South Australia that are visiting today. Our church family just put their hands together for you to let you know that we're glad that you're here. And even amidst us this morning, a couple of our founding members from 15 years ago, Pete and Sandy Lord, are somewhere snuck, snuck up the back, who uh, were part of the Bayside family before we were officially Bayside. So um, nothing much has changed, mate. Yeah. In 15 years? Uh, no, very much. Very much we have. And one of the things we started, you know, when we uh, had the privilege of naming our church, as parents do with their children, you have the privilege of naming your children, uh, Pete designed our logo. Uh, we chose to call our church name Bayside for, to talk about the location of where we are in Canter Bay, Horseshoe Bay. And uh, if you take a close look at our logo, for those of you, I actually had someone who'd been a part of our church for years finally notice our logo and go, Oh, that's in Canter Bay. So uh, I'm explaining this just in case it's not that obvious to everyone. But if you have a look at our logo, it is actually a picture of the bluff in Canter Bay and, and uh, Granite Island. Bayside says where we are, something unique about us. Church is who we are or what we are. And the reason we put international at the end of our name is because from day one, uh, we said we wanted to be a church that had a vision beyond just the borders of our immediate phys physical locale. And for many years, 15 years, this church has been a blessing beyond our borders, year after year, investing into different nations and different groups of people, as Jesus instructed us to do. And one of the ways that we're going to intensify or increase that this year, as many of you know, is we're going to start editing and uh, potentially live streaming, but certainly recording uh, for YouTube our Sunday morning messages uh, and uh, enhancing our global media ministry. So for those of you who are part of our church family who've been sort of slowly seeing some changes to our stage, look, it's still not finished. It's one step at a time as we can rely on people to come and do some things. But uh, over the next few weeks, again, we're hoping to pretty things up a little bit, get video ready, and uh, then hit on for our global community that we want to reach. I said before, we are not here to impress people. And that is mostly true. We are not here to impress people, but we are here to represent God well. And so we do want to impress people with God's nature as revealed through us. And one of the aspects of God's nature is he does stuff well. And if you doubt that, just look in the mirror. And if you doubt that, just look at me. Okay. So, so God does stuff well. So we do want to we do want to take some time and, and, and do stuff well as we show the world uh, some of the, the message and ministry of this pulpit. Uh, we do want to represent God well as we do that. One of the other values of our church family uh, is that we do also we believe in generations. And I read that psalm before as we opened one forty five that says one generation will tell your mighty acts to the next. We are a church and we are a community of multi-generations. In fact, Pete and Sandy might remember, but um, when Jay and I were 23, we knew God had called us to lead a church at some point, and uh, I just said, Lord, I need a word from you. I need you to speak to me. We weren't sure where we were going or what it looked like, and uh, well, Lord, I just need you to give me a word for this church community you're calling us to lead. And I did the old thing that some of you have tried. I opened my Bible. I said, Lord, speak to me. 
And uh, thank God it didn't open in Ecclesiastes or Job or something, okay? But almost as bad, it, it opened up in Zechariah. And, uh, you know, Zechariah had nothing highlighted. I don't think I'd ever read it by that stage. You know, who, who would have ever known what good comes from Zechariah? But I started reading Zechariah chapter 8, and it begins by saying, the Lord will return to Zion. He'll be with his people, okay? Which means that's the promise of God's presence with his people. And then the very next verse says, the city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing and old men will be sitting in the streets with canes in their hand because of how old they are. So that's one of the first signs of the promise from Zechariah. We've got a few canes here, I think, today. Uh, it's not because the kid, there's no canes because the kids were misbehaving. No, the kids were having fun. The canes, thank you, John, were for the, for the old fellas. But one of the signs of God's presence with his people is a community of multi-generations. And so right from the word go, before we ever knew God was calling us to Victor, before the name Bayside was even in our mind, we knew that God had called us to be part of a multi-generational community. And when you live here in Victor, and most, most of you know it's not a joke, it's just reality, it's a, it's a wonderful reality, but we have an aged population compared with the rest of Australia. For us to lead a church at 23 and not have grey heads in our church would be mean we're not representing our community. And I've just, as we've grown, Pete and Sandy, one of the common traits all up from our 15 years is we've always had babies being born and uh, older folks sitting with canes in their hands. And that's just a beautiful testimony of our church. I say that to say we value multi-generations. God is the God, I mentioned it last week, of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and the boys. All right, he's the God of the fourth generation. So Paul said to Timothy, teach others to teach others. Paul said to Timothy, teach others to teach others. He's the God of multi-generations. And so we believe in honouring uh, multi-generational voices and uh, we believe in seeking the wisdom of those younger and older than us as we uh, hear God speak through people. Amen? So this morning, you have the privilege of hearing a younger generation speak. Why don't you stand to your feet and let's pray as Jake takes the pulpit this morning. Come up, boy. Mate. Young man who's taller than me. Just, can you just stand down there while, I, uh, while we're... Uh... Okay, one hand on your heart. One... That's right. That's better. That's better. Much better. Uh, one hand on your heart. One hand stretched out towards this, mate. Dad, we so thank you for meeting with us and speaking with us today. And Holy Spirit, we sit at the feet of you, our teacher today. We say, would you minister to my heart? Would you speak to my mind? I'm open to whatever it is you're wanting to speak to me today in your awesome name. And today I bless Jake. I bless him and I pray that he would operate in the mantle and the anointing and the grace that you've given him, that he would be all he is called to be right now. We honour and respect this voice today in Jesus' awesome name. And if anyone you agreed, say something like that. All right, take your seats. Go for it, mate. Make sure you've got your pillows, hey? Thanks, Chad. Awesome worship. Awesome key change at the end in the last song. It's really good. Subtle. Didn't even realise. <clears throat> good morning, all. <laughs> so I'll be speaking on faith today. Um, one aspect of faith, stepping into faith now, 
there's another aspect, which is when we're pushed into faith. Who here likes that one, where we don't have to actually have a part to pay, we're actually put into circumstances where we have to be access our faith? One time, um, Rachel and I just got married and we went away on our honeymoon. And we went to Samoa, which is a beautiful little island, and we thought we'd go on a bike ride, very romantic, you know. Me being the man, I was trying to impress Rachel. We'd only been married for probably three days at this time. And so I went to the kiosk and I hired two bikes. They had two women's bikes. Not only women's bikes, but I think they were teenage girl bikes. So I thought, okay, we'll do it anyways. Now, I'm not much of a bike person, but I think my bike only had one gear, and that was first gear. So I had to pedal really fast to keep up with Rachel, and it looked like my knees would come up near my ears as I would pedal fast. And anyway, so we're going on this romantic cruise along the coastline, and we turned around, we came, we're coming back, and then next thing, I hear this barking in the distance. And if anyone's been to Samoa, they have some pretty mangy-looking dogs around there. And this thing came cruising up, and it pinpointed me, and it was, like, chewing at my, at my ankles. And it was frothing at the mouth, and it had hair, move, hair missing. And I, I just went for it. I gunned, but I was pedaling so fast, but I think I was only going about this fast. <laughs> And Rachel took off and she's yelling at me, ride faster, ride faster. And I'm trying to ride faster, trying to be a man at the same time. I had to access my faith, man. I had to really pray to Jesus. And then we rode past this school and there's this dog still nipping at my legs. And then a a guy comes out and he's chasing the dog. And then we ride past this school and all these school kids, they probably would have only been maybe between five and seven. They all come running out of the school classroom and they're yelling at me and they're saying they're speaking in Samoan and I don't know what they were saying, but I'm thinking they were going, you can do it, you can do it, come on. Anyways, I got past this dog in the end and we went to our tour guide afterwards and I said, and I was telling him the story and I said, oh, by the way, we went past the school and these young kids come running out and they were saying these words to me. I can't remember what it was now, but... But he goes, and he's laughing. And I said, what does it actually mean, what they were saying? They were saying, white boy, white boy, white boy, white boy, white boy. <laughs> so if you can turn in your Bibles to Matthew... <laughs> ...in chapter 14... I'll be reading about the story about where Jesus walks on water. And so this is a, this is a story where the disciples and Jesus, it's just after they've fed the 5,000 or more people, 5,000 men it was. And anyways, so Jesus, after they've done the miracle of the 5,000, Jesus goes up on a, on a mountain and he goes up there to pray because just prior to that, he, um, he gets the news that John the Baptist was beheaded. So he goes up on the mountain to pray and he sends the disciples out on a boat over the lake and it's middle of the night 
around three o'clock in the morning-ish, it was dark anyways, and Jesus is praying and he can see, because he's on the mountain, he can see the disciples in a boat and he can see that there's a storm coming as well and he can see that they're distressed. So Jesus being Jesus, you know, casually just walks out on the water, on top of the water out towards the boat and these distressed disciples see him coming and you know they're they're not like you or me we we would have known it was Jesus right they 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 thought it was a ghost but and so I'll be reading from chapter 14 from about 27 so they've just seen Jesus coming towards them and they've just thought that he is a ghost coming towards them 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. That's, that's, pretty, that's probably the right thing to say at that time, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, come to me. If it, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come, and when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Now this passage got me thinking, was it actually water that Peter was walking on, or was it his faith? Was it actually on top of the water or was it on top of faith? Peter had to step out of the boat to access his faith. <clears throat> faith has to become our foundation in which we stand upon. It's what creates our stability. Peter had to get out of the boat before he could walk on water. We first must take that first step. We first must be okay with thinking that we might sink. We can't limit our possibilities. We can't limit our ability because of our impossibilities that surround us. Luke 1.37 says, with God, nothing is impossible. If we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and not what surrounds us, then anything is possible. It wasn't until Peter's eyes came off of Jesus and he focused on what surrounded him in, those, in that circumstance, the storm, the waves, and oh, oh my goodness, I'm standing on water, that he actually sank. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus, nothing is impossible. Faith is absence when we believe we're going to drown. If we choose not to believe in the miraculous because we haven't actually seen it for ourselves, then we are basing our theology on our own comfortability. We can't be comfort, comfy and walk in faith at the same time. Back in school, we were taught that the way you spell faith is R-I-S-K. There has to be some risk involved.
Rachel and I, we got a prophetic word and from that moment we made the decision that we were going to pursue this prophetic word. So we sold, we, were, we got this prophetic word to move over to America. So we sold absolutely everything. We had only just been married for uh, maybe six months, maybe. And we started selling everything. We sold our car, we sold our couch, we sold our bed, we sold our knives and forks, we sold our plates, we sold our chairs, we sold our fridge, all our white goods. You get the idea. We sold everything apart from two suitcases full of clothes. And we moved back in with our parents. Now you talk to me about being comfy, being newly met weds, and sleeping in the room next to your mum. <laughs> it's not cool. But you do get creative. Taking risks and stepping out in faith have to go hand in hand. We can look back at our lives and we can see when we've stepped out in faith by the way we have been comfy. Some of us wish for an easy and comfy life. Some of us go after an easy, comfy life, lifestyle. But we can't be comfy and stepping out in faith at the same time. We need to be okay with a process of nearly sinking. Faith has to be pursued, walked in, then it will become who we are. Being a Christian is known as a faith-based religion. So how can we be men and women of faith, yet we don't pursue the faith? Hebrews 11 says, Faith is the substance hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So why is faith something that we can't see? Because if we could see it, then we would have no obligation but to believe it. There has to be a part to play on our behalf. We have to believe and then he'll make us see. We have to step out and then we'll realise we can walk. We can't just go around relying on other people's faith, whether it's, you know, our family is saved, so therefore I'm saved, or our friends, they believe in Jesus, so I believe in Jesus because I hang around them. We need to actually go out and we need to pursue Jesus ourselves. We need to have that salvation for ourselves. It's not good enough that our parents are saved. We have to have a part to play. We have to step out and be saved ourselves. Faith is what pleases God. Hebrews 11.6 says, you can't please God unless you have faith. Because we need to believe in him. We need to trust him. We need to, to know that he is what he says he is. We need to believe first and then he will make us see. If we believe that he is good, in the midst of trials, then we'll see God's goodness in those hard times. 
We first must take that first step. And, and if we do sink, how long are we willing to hold our breath for? Because the longer we hold our breath, the further we sink. And the further we sink, the longer we're going to sit at the bottom of the ocean and we won't be walking in our destiny. But we can swim back to the surface and we can try again. We can take another step and another step. And if we sink, we can swim back up and we can try again. Walking in faith is not missing the mark. Walking in faith is trying. Walking in faith is taking a step. It's not that, oh, I sank, so I mustn't be faithful. No, you stepped out, so you are faithful. Even Jesus had to access faith. Now, we all know that Jesus came to earth, but he came and he chose to become as a human and to live by human abilities. He was fully God, but he had to become fully human. And so he had to access faith. And if we turn to Mark 5, there's a story in there about when Jesus, when the ruler of a synagogue comes to Jesus and he says to him, and he must have been so desperate, and he must have heard that this Jesus is a Jesus that heals, a guy that heals. And he came running up to him and he's. He says that his daughter is ill and that he wants Jesus to come and heal her. And so Jesus goes with the man and as he goes with the man, we may know the story that on his way there, there's a woman with an issue of blood that touches his hem of his garment because she believes that he, she will be healed if she just touches Jesus. And Jesus stops. Now, if your daughter is dying, I'd be pretty annoyed if Jesus stopped. If he was your only hope of your daughter surviving. Yet Jesus stopped and he turned to the woman. And as in that process of him stopping, they get the news that his daughter is dead. And they tell Jesus not to worry about coming anymore that she has died. And we'll pick up the story from verse 38. Jesus still goes with the man. Then he said, then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and said, and hang on, sorry. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult, which means a loud, confused noise, and those who wept and wailed loudly. Makes sense. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside... He took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. 
Immediately the girl rose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. A couple of things from this story that we can get is, don't you find it strange that Jesus kicked them out, the people who were mourning? And also, it seems pretty harsh, but also he takes the mother and the father in with him, so that we can understand is they were out with Jesus, not in the room mourning with the little girl. If you research into it, mourning was a profession at the time. People were paid money to go into people's families' homes where there was death and they would cry over the body. They, they were paid to go in there and partner with death, but Jesus came to bring life. He had to kick the people partnering with death so he could step into the room and partner with life. He, he came to bring life. So he had to, death had to wait. Death had to stand by. Death had to wait at the door so he could bring life into that little girl again. Same story when Jesus goes to the cross. He didn't kick death out. He became death so we can have life. He chose death so you can have life, that I can have life, and everybody in this room can have life. We need to grow in our faith. Mark 11.23 says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So we need to grow in our faith. Even if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, mustard seeds can only grow into mustard trees if they are watered, if they are fed, if they are nurtured. We must not be... To move a mountain, we have to be okay with moving molehills first. We can't just go straight for the mountain sometimes. Sometimes we have to be okay with moving the molehill before we can get to the stage where we can speak to that mountain and to move. We need to be okay with, with the little amount of faith and growing it and growing it and growing it until we can move that mountain. We can't press in for the more and not start from the beginning we need to start somewhere and be okay with the process. We can't miss the start line because we're too busy dreaming that we're already at the finish. Faith needs perseverance. Perseverance means to do something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. We must be more focused on who God says he is than focused on the results that we are seeing. 
because he says that he is Jehovah Rapha, God the healer. So there has to be healing in his name. Whether we see it or we don't see it for the first time shouldn't determine whether we're going to pray again. It shouldn't be the reason why we don't pray again. It shouldn't be the reason why we don't take that step again. Yeah, all good? Pressing in is what gets results out. Some of us may know a guy called Todd White. Some of us may not. But Google him. He's a crazy guy. He is crazy. I, I've had the privilege to meet him a couple times and, and let me tell you, he is radical, man. He is so cool. He's got dreads. I wish I had dreads one time. I even grew my hair long once and I wanted to become a hippie. I got an orange van and I'd drive it around without my shirt on. I, I, I wasn't as cool as I thought I was. But my shorter brother over here, he thought I was pretty cool. So Todd White, now he's a radical man who you'll find on like, a lot of videos on YouTube and all that and a lot of street, street ministry goes out on the streets and sees a lot of healings and stuff like that. But what we don't see is that he prayed for 300 people for healing before he even saw his first miracle. He still pressed in day in, day out because he was told that, that Jesus healed. Took him 300 times. Now that wasn't 300 times in a church. Sometimes it can be a little bit easier when it's in a church and you're with your Christian brothers and sisters and you know, you can almost make up an excuse that, you know, it's not the right time or whatever. It was out on the street that he prayed for these 300 people. Now that's taken the step. And that's not being scared of sinking. But once he got his first miracle, then it was a snowball effect and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And now he's all over YouTube and he's an amazing guy. So just, God rewards those who seek him. And we need to be okay that it's an actual, a search. Psalms 105 says, seek his face evermore. The word evermore ever actually means everlasting. So it is an everlasting search. We need to continuously seek who he is. We will find... If we continuously seek him, we'll always find something new. There's always something new to find. There's always another level of his goodness. Oh, gee, God, you're so good. You came through with that finances, but the next day there's another level of his goodness. There's another aspect of his goodness. So just because we didn't see it come to pass the first time, it doesn't mean that it won't come to pass the second time. And if it doesn't come to pass the second time, it doesn't mean it won't come to pass the third time. We need to be okay with this. It took Joshua seven times he marched around the city before the walls came down. Imagine if he gave up on the sixth, on the sixth day. 
Small beginnings create pathways for major breakthroughs. We need to have expectancy. We need to expect miracles. Mark 11.24 says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So we need to believe first. Expectancy. It's the state of thinking or hoping that something, especially something good, will happen. What do we expect in our lives? Is it for bad or is it for good? Because whatever we expect in our lives is where we'll shift our focus and put our attention to. And more than likely, it will become the outcome. So if we expect bad things to always happen to us, we'll put our focus on seeing only bad things happening to us. But if we expect and we put our focus on God's goodness during those bad times, then we will see his goodness come through in those bad times. We need to believe that he is good, even in the bad times. We need to believe that he is who he says he is. We need to believe that he is love when we don't feel love. Expectancy is what grows our faith. It's that food for that mustard seed. It's how we can grow it and keep growing it because we are always expecting for more. There's always more with God. We, can, we can't be okay with just having just enough. We need to expect that there's more. Faith is something that we, we, we don't just stand back and watch from afar. Faith is something that we need to step in ourselves. Faith is something, it's something personal. It's something that I have to do. It's something that Chad has to do. It's something Rob has to do. It's something that you guys have to do on your own level. It's all well and good to, to read stories or watch people on the internet and, and get us excited about faith, but we, we do need to step out in it, into it ourselves. Billy Graham... Most of us know Billy Graham, old Bill. Billy Graham has preached to an estimate of over 270 million people in his life so far. And he has seen millions of people saved because of it. Reinhard Bonnke has preached one sermon... And during that one sermon, over a million people got saved in Africa. Just a German boy. John G. Lake, he had a healing ministry. And he had a healing room in America. And the city that he lived in was named the healthiest city in all of America at the time. 
because one man would pursue his faith about healing. He went to Africa where the plague was, where many, many people died because of this plague. And he got the people to put it on his hands and then put it under a microscope and watch the plague die on his hands. Evan Roberts was a simple man that went to a meeting and he said a few simple words, bend me to your will, Lord. And he got immersed by the Spirit and he believed it when he did say that. And out of him came the Welsh Revival. And the Welsh Revival was a revival that impacted the whole country of Wales. Not just the city he lived in, but the whole country. Cities were saved because of what he just went and did. Because of what he said and what he believed. Now, if you can imagine if someone would do that in Australia. Bend me to your will, Lord. And the city of Victor Harbour was saved. The whole city of Victor Harbour. The whole city. Not just the city, but the Flurio Peninsula. Not just the Flurio Peninsula, but South Australia. But not just South Australia, but the whole of Australia. What if, because of one person said, bend me to your will, Lord, the whole of Australia was impacted because of it. Smith Wigglesworth, a man who could barely speak. He was a plumber and he became to a, a, into a man of faith. He was known worldwide for a man of faith. He travelled the globe because of his faith. William Seymour, a blind in one eye black boy who was shunned, would listen to Bible teachings through a crack in the door because he wasn't actually allowed into the room. Believed in a God and he went on to starting one of America's greatest revivals in a barn on Azusa Street. Catherine Kuhlman, a lady who, who in those days was probably looked down upon because she was a female preacher, went on to starting some of the biggest healing miracle meetings in America and a little lady some of us may know Heidi Baker she's just a little lady she's so beautiful I've been in a few of her meetings and boy just because she's a little lady doesn't mean that she doesn't carry a great Holy Ghost she got down on her knees at the altar in Canada, Toronto, Canada, and gave her life to Jesus. And because of it, she's planted thousands of churches, thousands of churches in Mozambique and all over the world. Or there's a guy called, that you may may not have heard of yet, Ben Fitzgerald. I got the privilege to intern for Ben and I knew him when he was just a young man that was refused into America because of a past criminal record. 
But that didn't stop him. Now he's gone on to, to start a ministry called Awakening Ministries. And with this ministry, he, he holds yearly conferences. And at these conferences, he gets over 20 plus thousand people go to these conferences. And he holds them over three days. And with these 20 plus thousand people, he gets buses. And he fills the buses with these people, but he only half fills them because they send them out into the city and they fill the other half with non-Christians. They go out and they recruit them and bring them back on the bus and then they go into these conference room, into these conferences and they get saved, healed, delivered. It's amazing. And this year, November, he will be holding one in Melbourne and he's just got the okay to have Etihad Stadium to hold this conference. It is Australia's time. It is this time. It is Australia's time. We can't be afraid of stepping out of the boat. We can't be afraid of sinking. We can't be afraid of missing the mark. We have to be okay with maybe we might sink a little bit, but are we going to swim back to the surface and try again? What if we all chose to say, bend me to your will? What impact would that say? And what could happen in Victor Harbour? What could happen in South Australia? What could happen in Australia? We must be okay with stepping out because when we step out of the boat, we are actually stepping into our destiny. We are actually stepping out of something and into becoming someone. Mark 11.22 So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Now if you look into it, that have faith in God actually means have faith of God. Which could actually mean have the authority of God. You have the authority of God. Jesus had the authority of God and he stepped into all those miracles. We have the authority of God. If we know we have the authority of God, over any situation, walking on water will become easy. We won't even need to think about it. Peter had the authority of God when Jesus said, come. When Jesus said, come, he stepped out of the boat. He realized that he had the authority of God. You have the authority of God. And Jesus is saying, come. He is saying, come now. He's not saying, come tomorrow, come next week. He's saying, come now. Are we willing to step out of the boat? I want to pray for all y'all. I want to pray for two, 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 two things. If you need a miracle in your body you need healing or anything, whatever it is, um, I would like you to stand up if that's okay, if you can. Now. (laughs) 
And also, the second thing I want to pray for is if you want to step out of the boat. If you want to step out of the boat and into faith and you want to say, today's the day that I'm choosing to step out of the boat. Could you stand up also? If you believe that, you know, I've done little steps here and there, or if you want to step out of the boat, if you want to make today the day where you say, I've stepped out of the boat. Now it's okay if you feel like you're going to sink, Jesus, I thank you that you are saying, come right now. God, you are giving us the authority. You are giving us the authority of heaven. Lord, I just pray for the knowledge of that authority in our lives, God. I pray that we come to realization of that authority. Lord, we just thank you and we take that first step, God. We want to fill our life full of faith. We want to be risk takers. We want to be risk takers for the gospel of Jesus Christ. God and all those people, if you are standing there and you stood up for the sickness in your body or whatever it is, are you able to put your hand up And those standing near you, are you able to lay hands on them? God, we speak to any sickness, any pain, we say leave right now in Jesus' name. Death, you have to wait at the door. Because Jesus is here and he brings life. Any pain must leave right now in Jesus' name. Any sickness must leave right now in Jesus' name. God, we just thank you for right now. We thank you that you are love and you want us whole. God, we thank you that you died on that cross for us so we can become whole. We can come into right relationship with you, God. We can come before you as sons and daughters of the living King. And if you are here today and you haven't taken that step into salvation, maybe you are the person that's relied on our parents' salvation or maybe you're the person that that has been holding back and sitting in the boat still trying to make a decision whether we should step out into that salvation if today's the day that you want to take that step I encourage you to stand up as well and I promise you I promise you 100% this is not a decision that you're going to regret. 
or maybe you're the person that's just put your leg over the side of the boat and dipped your toe in. The water's a little bit cool and you're still a bit unsure, but you really want to take that first leap and you really want to put your eyes on Jesus. I encourage you to stand up right now. God, we just thank you right now. Lord, we're here today with our eyes on you. Lord, we thank you that you will lift us up if we do fall in the water, just as you did to Peter. When his eyes were taken off you, you caught him. Lord, I just pray for anybody here that is taking the step for the first time into their salvation, God. Lord, I just pray that you minister to their hearts right now. Lord, we just thank you that you are whispering in their ears, Lord. I just pray that they know the love of God, not just feel the love of God. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' mighty name. You know, there's, it's often a time of the year where people reflect on what's to come. And I just sense like, and, and reflect on some potential changes that can come. And I just feel like there's some folk here who, I don't know what it is. It may be around the issue of diet. Maybe they're in the issue of your financial life. Um, one thing I've got a feeling of is a restored discipline. And here's, here's the deal. Sometimes we operate under instruction. Lord, if you talk to me, I'll do something about it. But Peter in this story took initiative. He actually looked at Jesus and he said, I'd like to do that. Now, Lord, tell me to come. So it's actually Peter's idea to walk on water. And I feel like for some of us, you've maybe had a frustration over some. You're like, I can't do another year like that. I'm waiting for God to speak. Maybe the question is your initiative to go, Lord, I've seen you do it, or I've seen someone else do it. Is that for me? Please speak. Like you've literally got to be the one to take the initiative in the question. And for so, so I think that's for someone like a new initiative. But then I also feel like for someone, it's a restored thing like a restored discipline a restored lifestyle you sort of peter looking at jesus on the water it's almost like you're looking at your old self in a mirror and going look at what i used to do okay i used to have that discipline i used to be that passionate about that i used to be really on top of that lord it's my time again yes okay so there's sort of kind of two things if either of that resonates with you Good for you. <laughs> but, but if e either of that resonates with you, a new initiative or a restored passion, maybe that's what I'll, or a restored discipline, I'll encourage you to step out of the boat today. Or, no, I won't do that. I'm going to encourage you to say, Lord, is that you? Tell me if this is, you know, Lord, I would like to do this. I've got this initiative. Tell me if this is you. Just give him that opportunity. Put your hand on your heart. That was a bit muddly. But I forgot my cords.
if any, somehow in that muddleness something resonated with you like Peter said Lord tell me to come to you on the water you've got an initiative in mind Lord tell me is that what you want me to do Um, did anyone get a yes then? Did anyone actually, did that resonate with anyone? A yes here, yes up there, yeah? Oh wow, great. One, two, three, four. Anyone else? Five up the bat, six. Hey, God speaks. <laughs> he speaks by his spirit. He speaks by his scriptures. And he speaks to us through other saints. I want to show your appreciation for Jake today in bringing that word to us. Bless you, bro. Those of, the rest of you who are sitting, why don't we all stand to our feet? Maybe take the hand of the person next to you this morning if you know them well enough to do that. Go on across the aisles. Father, as I look on this beautiful group of people this morning, as Alex shared with us before the service, I speak good words over them today. I declare that the love of the Father, the undeserved, unmerited, strong generous and loving love and kindness of daddy God the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the unmerited favor that empowers us to do what we could not do and to be what we could not be without you and the fellowship and friendship of his Holy Spirit who never leaves us or forsakes us but is with us as Rob said in us and around us every day May the love of the Father, the grace of Jesus and the friendship of your spirit be with all my brothers and sisters here today and on into this week in ever-increasing measure. I bless them in your holy name and I thank you for a great week that has just begun. Come on, someone say yes, amen. All right, bless you guys. This has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.